FMX Network Production. You cast me, I'll complete me till death do all part. What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap Up Show. This is Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp Mech Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motosport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at pulpmex.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. If I have the opportunity to build a death coaster rather than look at your face, I'm going to take that every time. Don't you have better things to do? No, I don't. All right. <laughs> are, we do, are we doing like uh, ESPN stats now with Pony? You're a sellout now. That, that was a drop. That wasn't me. I don't swear anymore. No text box. Thank you. I did ask Joe today at the gym if I was too, if I'm too aggressive with my communication <laughs> you get everything for free plus people pay you I I'm don't sure get a drill for I, free I'm sure you can get one it was you know it was one of those things like I bought this drill and it was like you know one of those big purchases you know at the yeah, time it was like time? a big spin for me and I'm like yep. is this dude serious right now yeah it, I'm like is this dude serious he's got 30 foot ceilings <laughs> all the parts on this bike are fucking stolen and I had to pay for a 125 TTR in 2003 it's, a, it's 1500 bucks. Is this going to hurt you, seriously? Dude, when I was a kid, 110s would show up by like a f- six-pack. <laughs> <laughs> JT or Rutledge Wood? Who? Oh, that's tough. If I'm him, I don't race Supercross, no. I don't know. I know, but I can say I don't know what I'm going to say. What do you mean you know? I know, but I don't know. I'll play the fifth on this one. I karate chop you in the face. I just want my friend back. Even like a purple thong I would wear <laughs> if I looked like Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> Mid-90s, I was in like middle school. Eli, you're going to eat roost. I'm so- we're sorry, but do it for the flag. <laughs> do it for the country. The bike is like a 450. The okay. refs don't go fast. Okay. You cannot take a crappy 250 guy. More than half of the field it, they're all lazy thanks for cutting me cake. off no we just we no. Got, yeah you gotta we gotta do some more commercials no. i don't believe in bike stuff and if you're saying the bike looks horrible that's not good for the rest of us <laughs> lazy is a big world i understand maybe i'll take it back it's the everyday grind of not wanting to be the slowest guy yeah i never listen to you what i never listen to the show sounds like a circus to me it's gone. we changed the point structure in supercross we, it sucks we, 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 it sucks all your athletes are overpaid yeah. defend your your pie. There is more people watching. Thirteen-year-old girl play softball. Mertz, why can't we get Radio Shack? That's probably a bad example. I think Radio Shack went under. I just said, I but, just told you. We yeah. are Saturday night in Supercross. Nobody watched TV on Saturday night. Uh, I, I'm the with TV you. stuff is the worst thing. People go get drunk, go to parties, go you know have sex on Saturday night. You know, it's no money. It's pocket change for Verizon. You know, Red Bull is like they could buy Red Bull like with the money they have in their pillows. You don't do it, and you can't do it because the sport is microscopic. This is getting, like, ridiculous. It's a five-hour show. What do you think is all the sponsor mentions? 20 minutes? Dude, I, I, when, when do you draw the line? Why well, is it too much? Right now. If you much. had my money, you'd jump out of a building. Uh, maybe. 
when the cheesy foaming a little wipe are <laughs> yeah. you good you nice. are you are very memorable fuck you dark side i don't want to be here we go no, i don't want to be here I like you seriously i don't care I being like here you. i don't check it back to go to friends for a week free frost no socks no socks that's disgusting. I don't like racing. I don't like riding. I did it because I was halfway decent and I made money out of it. I don't like it. But he wants That's to do a good job. Yeah, he does. Yes. Yeah, he does. Welcome back to what I have to imagine is your favorite show on the Pulp Mix Network, The Wrap-Up Show. I'm Darkside, and before we get into this week's show, let me introduce my guests. First up, from Seal Savers, it's my buddy Mason Mill. What's up, Mason? What's up, Darkside? Uh, doing good over here, just uh, on Baby Watch at the moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. You mentioned that. Your wife could go into yeah. labor any moment, right? Pretty much, yeah. But you you told her, hey, woman, we have the wrap-up show to do. You're going to have to hold back yeah. for an hour and a I, half. I said I need my Wednesday evening free and I need my Saturday free. Any other time, you're good to go. <laughs> the cool thing is my name is Universal. You can name her or him Jamie. Okay, you're right. I, I was thinking you were going to go with Dark Side, but uh, no, that's not we'll universal. I don't think. No, that's mine. That's I, true. I'm keeping that's that. true. We actually we don't know the gender yet, so gender neutral names are good. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, man, I'm excited yeah. for you. Well, Appreciate next, it. yeah, next up, a first timer on the wrap up. He helps out privateer Alessio Sasso, Jason Henniger. Man, what's up, Jason? Oh, not much, man. How are you doing? I'm good. Am I saying your last name right? Uh, yeah, it's Henninger. Henninger. Okay, that's. I thought about yes, that sir. as soon as I said it. So, well, Jason, good to have you reach out. You uh, you reached out about your rider Alessio and uh, said you were also interested in doing the wrap up. And here we go, man. You excited? Yeah, I am excited. I'm. Uh, I'm glad. That, I'm glad you have me on for it. Absolutely. Well, before we get into this show, give me a little bit of your background. How long have you been listening to Pulp? Uh, when's your favorite time to listen? You know, who's your favorite co-host of all time, etc. Um, honestly, I really just started listening, um, not too, too long ago. My buddy, a buddy of mine, actually, I think he's like Talon's friend, maybe he got me hooked on it. And, uh, I like everybody, honestly. I mean, I think he does a really good job of getting people in the studio and everybody that he brings in, I think brings a lot of good information, honestly. So yeah, and it kind of ranges, right? There's different types of guests. You know, sometimes you got you you'll have my my boss as of tomorrow, Michael Lindsay, who's very very knowledgeable. Or like, like this week, we had David Villeman, who's very very opinionated, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, it's it's pretty broad, I would say. Like, uh, I enjoyed Michael's episode, and um, actually, DV was that's the first time I've listened to DV as the co-host. I think he's been on before, but that's yes. the first time I've heard it. Oh, this is so, gonna be good then. Yeah, he was good too, and um, just like bringing like Lucas Myrtle in and 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 um, like Ricky Gilmore, some of those guys, it's really interesting to hear their sides of things. So absolutely, well, let's get into this thing. I have a feeling we're going to have some strong opinions on this one. Uh, we are wrapping up show five twelve with David Villeman, as we spoke of in studio. LeBig joined later in the show, and on the phone we had Eli Tomac, Nick Way, Joey Savacci, Randy Richardson, and Joey Savacci actually both called in unscheduled as far as I understand. And then like you mentioned, Jason, my buddy, Lucas Myrtle joins Mertz. Uh, let's start with you, I guess, Jason, as a first timer, overall thoughts on five twelve. David Villeman probably being the key of what a lot of the, the discussion on this show is going to be. Um, yeah, he had, uh, like you said, he's definitely opinionated. I was pretty surprised at kind of how he went, about the Lucas Myrtle interview, yeah, um, oh, we'll I definitely think he kinda, that. I think he, I think he gave him a little bit of a hard time, 
because um, in my opinion, he used to be one of those guys. I mean, right? They were they were talking about his contract like right off of his phone, and I mean, he he was paid pretty well. It sounded like to me for that time. So I don't I don't know. So, yeah, yeah, that was uh, interesting to me. Yeah, it really was. Uh, it was odd. We'll go with odd for now. We're gonna get to that. that's probably one, what we're gonna close with. But Mason, yeah, thoughts on five twelve. Uh, I've got to be honest. I'm not a huge DV fan. Um, I thought he was entertaining on the show. He made me laugh a few times, but I did find him, you know, interrupting everybody. And I just kind of found him to be a little obnoxious. Okay. All right. Well, definitely heavy on the interrupting, but like for me, okay. And we're going to get to the Eli stuff in just a minute. When Eli was on, which I would say was my favorite guest of the night. When Eli was on, it didn't bother me as much because he was being pretty funny. Eli was in the background laughing. I was like, oh, okay, Eli's enjoying this. Eli still is getting a chance to talk a little bit when he does talk, when he gets that moment. So I didn't mind it so much. But when it got to the Mertz thing, I was like, okay, I was getting very frustrated because Mertz got zero chance to respond almost. So, yeah, yeah I, go ahead. Sorry, Dark. No, you're good. I, well, I was glad you called him out when he was talking to Mertz like that. Um, I was glad you kind of mentioned something to him about letting him talk. But regarding e- Eli, I felt like there was just a different level of respect that DV had to Eli versus some of the other people like Mertz. Yeah, I think you're a little bit right. And, and again, we'll get into that stuff. So, uh, favorite guest of the night, Mason? I'm going to go with Eli. Uh, Jason? Yeah, I'm going to go with Eli, too. And the uh, the imagination talk actually really intrigued me when DB was kind of pitching him the the 250 thing. Yeah, I, yeah I have some of that audio. So, that, yeah, we'll be getting to that shortly. I agree. I think that might have been the highlight of the show for me. So uh, we'll get to that. But let's start with the easy stuff, the general chat. Let's get it out of the way. Discussions of Chase Sexton, Eli Tomac. If you are Sexton and you're, you, know, you lost the red plate, so that, that sucks. Are you taking any? Are you taking any satisfaction that you're pushing this four-time motocross champion that hard? You're blowing by everybody else to get to second in other races, or you're pushing Eli that hard. Are you sad? Are you just? Are you just like I don't care? His second is garbage. Do you think? No. Uh, I think, what's his uh, attitude? Uh, I really think for Sexton, uh, the first moto is a turning point in, in his yep. season. Okay. Um, I think if he keeps his head down and then. Um, keep trying and then he sees like you know Eli is a is a cyborg but he's yeah. obviously not unbeatable and I think Sexton kind of realized like he could be one of them yeah. you know and before that you, sliver of, yeah of, but yeah. when you when you listen to Sexton after like uh, Redbud and after Southwick he was racing for second after Millville he got second but he's not racing for second anymore yeah we want him to wanting him to get out of his comfort zone and then go and try to you know beat Eli straight up. Didn't happen, but uh, we saw a glimpse of it. Yeah, and I think for his confidence, it's very good. You and can then, take that. Yes, yeah. and uh, uh, they're gonna have what should go like uh, that could be a good track for Sexton. And then the two week break, um, just don't go in the Caribbean and. To mm-hmm. the beach, you know, go to work. Right. Go yep. to work and then just do like four weeks and, and try and, to give and, it a shot yeah. because you might never get that shot again. So, Mason, I'll go to you first. I, I like what David said, right? Again, opinionated. He's, he's given his opinion. That's kind of what we want at this point in the show. But I like what he's saying. Like, you know, Chase, he felt like Chase was just was content with second place. Kind of almost his mental standpoint might have been, 
all right, I'm the second best guy. I'm going to be at second. And that changed the way David sees it this weekend. I, I kind of, I don't know if I agree because I think, I think, he, I don't think he was settling for second. I think he believed he could win every race. But I think it's pretty interesting when you look at the perspective that David had. Would you agree with him or do you think maybe, no, I mean, maybe he's off a little bit? No, I think he's kind of onto something there. Okay. I think at some point um, Chase is going to look back at this time and when you know when he's a multi-time champion and really reflect on some of the things he's learned from being in this situation this year. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with that. I just, I guess, in my mind, he already felt like he could win. Like at Lakewood, you know, when he tipped over, he had to win. There's been chances already where he could win. He's been a little bit better than Eli. So I do think some things maybe shifted this weekend, but I, I don't know that I felt like it all started this weekend. Jason, the other thing you kind of said that DV said was, you know, it's building some confidence and like maybe don't take, don't go to the beach during the time off. Like you got to keep grinding. And I think that's pretty smart. I, I imagine that's what Chase is going to do. But others might say, oh, maybe you need a break. Maybe you need a mental break. What do you think about David's thoughts on Chase and uh, Eli? Mainly Chase, obviously. Um, I, I, first off, I don't think he's going to take a break. Um, unlikely he's going to, con- yeah, he's going to continue doing what he's doing. And I, I think that he, we're talking about Eli Tomac here. We're talking about a guy that won three titles in a row against some really good guys. He's on a bike that he obviously likes. And for, for Chase Sexton, I don't think he's got anything to be ashamed of. I think that he's been riding really well. Um, Red Bud maybe wasn't. You know, yeah, he didn't win, but he was right there. And then this weekend, I mean, he, if not for that first moto tip over, he, he wins that first moto and that's huge. I mean, those yeah. guys were going at it. So you can't be, I, I don't know. I, if I were him, I would be pretty happy with how things are going. Um, of course, there's a couple of races I'm sure he would like to get back, but at this point, that's neither here nor there. You know, they have a few more and he can still get it done if he, you know, if he, he could go on a streak, you know, like yeah. to say that he's not going to do his own so definitely uh and you know one of the things he said guys what david said was you know that chase is super consistent and he's good at losing minimum points when he's not as good as eli and i think that's pretty perceptive of him and that you know it's a good way to put it he as a coach as an ex-rider david sees this and really put that in good words the other thing jason that david said and i thought this was kind of interesting he talked he was talking about eli's setup looks horrible. I feel like he's the only guy that I've heard say that because I don't know if I agree with that. I think he's just riding the bike almost to the absolute limits of what it's capable of, period. So I don't know that I feel like it's set up. And I think that kind of surprised Steve a little bit when he said that. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think I disagree too. I mean, I know exactly what moment he's talking about. I went back and watched the race on um, Saturday night at the hotel. So he did have a moment coming down the hill before the finish line where he got, he, he did get sketchy. I mean, but they're going fast. So, I mean, that could happen to anybody at any time, but I mean, he, like you said, he's riding, <laughs> he's riding that bike to its absolute limits. And I don't think there's not many people that can, that could do that without making some mistakes here and there. So, yeah, it, you know, I, I've been to Millville a couple of times that hill, as they talked about is so much steeper than it looks. And there were multiple times coming down, Mount Martin, where I was like, Eli's not making this corner. No possible way is he going to make this corner, and no problem whatsoever. It blew me away how freaking aggressive and talented. Well, I, I know how talented they are, but when you see it like that and you're just watching this thing visually, 
as long as that hill is, you're going, yep, he's coming. Oh, oh, my God, he's getting speed. Oh, oh, oh my God, he's not going to make it. Oh, wow, he made that look so easy. Just crazy. It's, it's so impressive watching those two go at it. Anyway, uh, Mason, I'm going to have a hard time with you guys, Mason and Jason, and I'm just telling you. <laughs> Mason, Eli, this is one. Okay, Steve and all the media guys, right, they keep saying how much happier Eli seems this year, how much – more um, personable he is. This was absolutely one of the best interviews I have ever heard with him, even though maybe he didn't get to talk as much as you would think he should should have. During some of the DV discussions, he's in the background giggling, just not like just laughing a little bit, absolutely giggling and giving us some info. Uh, You know, like even I have this towards the end of my my notes, but saying, yeah, there was a wheelbarrow full, full of cash for... World Supercross, like he was super open, super silly. I really, really love this interview. Yeah, I really enjoyed it too. And I made a note about him giggling as well. When I first heard it, I'm like, is he seriously just giggling in the background right now? <laughs> yeah. And then he did it a couple of times. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that Eli's just sitting here giggling on the phone right now. So yeah, I definitely noticed that. It was it was really cool to hear, especially someone like Eli opening up that much. It was awesome. Right. And then Jason, speaking of those motos he he told D, D, uh, david villeman that that was one of the hardest motos for the entire moto that he's ever raced which again kind of you know opened it up a little bit it is pretty obvious when we watched it but the fact that he saw it the same way was pretty cool yeah i agree and that just i think that speaks to chase too because i mean if, if eli's saying that that's one of the hardest races he's ever had to do i mean he's raced a lot of people so that that credits chase for for being with him that whole time so it was cool to hear him laughing and stuff like that. Like at first I didn't think it was him. And then I heard it again. And I'm like, wow, like he is in the background cracking up and it, it made me laugh too. So that was, that was cool. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then Dave, David asked him this question. Were you a little mad after the first moto because, um, Chase passed you or whatever? Yeah, I was. And I knew I had to be better. You know, I was a little bit frustrated on a few, few sections of the track and I was, you know, I wasn't like turning the way I wanted to turn. So I got the bike turning a little bit better. And then I was just better the second moto. So, yeah, I was, I was a little bit pissed. You know, yeah. even though it went my way, yeah. I was still frustrated that he passed me, you know. Yeah, a guy like you, you're like, look, I don't get passed. <laughs> your, first, your first three or four laps of second moto, um, I rarely saw you that pissed and like committed to go to get to the front. Like you were like riding that 450 like it was a 125. <laughs> you, like you could yeah. hear the reps. I'm like, dude, he's charging <laughs> so hard. Like yeah. he didn't like first moto and it's going for it. <laughs> I don't know if you, uh, feel, you feel like that, but like the first three, four laps, it was like intensity was insane. Uh, yeah, that's the way it was. And I was just, all, all was in my head was don't let Chase get away. I was freaking out that he was gonna bust past those guys and break away. I didn't want to get let him get away. So mm-hmm. that's all that's all that was going on. Jason, I feel like two years ago that question gets answered very, very differently from Eli. And I, and credit to DV for asking him like, hey, you looked mad. Were you mad? Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I think that he. Um... It was cool how he just kind of came out right and said it, and he didn't sugarcoat. He was like, yeah, I was pissed. So um, it's cool to see him still have that fire. Like, even at this point, like, we know that he's probably 
on his way out. These are probably his last nationals. So for him to um, still have that fire and for him to want to get these moto, I mean, I know that obviously moto wins are a big deal to these guys, but um, it was cool to see him to let for that to bother him a little bit for for him to come out swinging the second moto. And he was like those first few laps were uh, he was really getting after it. Yeah, and Mason, there's multiple moments in this interview where we could show proof of Eli being a little bit of a different guy outwardly to the public, uh, including Steve asking him about, you know, hey, this is probably your last Nationals. Uh, it's not official yet, but are you soaking this in? And he's like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm taking it in, uh, you know, enjoying it. The fans, like, again, opening up to us just so many different points during this 30-plus minute interview. Yeah, absolutely, and that's what—that's why we love Pulp, right? That's, where else are you going to get an interview like that from Eli? Yeah, well, I mean, come on now—he's not the only. Steve's not the only guy that could do it. I feel like it's—I feel like there's You're other right. guys coming up that could have maybe got this out of him. You know, I, I heard a really good interview with Eli on the Moto X Pod show. Really? Um, what, is that what the one you were talking this? about? Is that the one you were talking about? Well, that one was pretty good. Yeah, that one was pretty good. Maybe well, he should go back on there. Yeah, where we found out that he liked Metallica. We found out which way he pulls the toilet paper off the roll. That was pretty good. <laughs> All that. Yeah, you were asking the hard questions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, <laughs> hey, before we go to talk about our first sponsor of the night, the at this point, though, during the interview, about halfway through, David really kind of just took the, the interview over a little bit. And there was some chat going on on YouTube, Jason, about that. And like I bet there, I didn't go back and listen to the whole thing again. But I bet if you timed it, there was moments that David probably talked for close to, probably close to two minutes, a minute and a half, before Eli got to speak. But like I said at the beginning, it didn't bother me so much in this interview. But it was starting to show, like you said, this first time you heard David, it was starting to show that hey, David isn't really that worried about what the other people say. He's going to get his points across. He was asked to be in studio and he's got stuff to say. Yeah. He, um, he made sure that he got his talk time, which is fine. I mean, he, he, he's, you know, paid his dues, but, um, yeah, I, I think you're right about the Eli thing. Like, I think that they had good back and forth. I don't think he over talked, um, during that one. There was obviously a couple other times he did, but no, I think with Eli, you, I don't know how much he likes to talk, so it's almost maybe better to kind of fill some of that time up and let him kind of listen a little bit. So at least that's my opinion. I don't, yeah, I don't know that's, if that's That's helped. not so. terribly inaccurate. Um, and let me get this straight. I don't dislike David. I like David as a person. I think he's very entertaining, which I say all the time. The reason I listen to Pulp is not for the breaking news stuff so much as I like the entertainment value. And David brings that to the Pulp Show. Really, the only time it bothered me was during Mertz because I wanted to hear what he had to say. So I'm not, I am not bashing on David. I, I think he could have scaled it back a little bit, but it, you started to see at this point. Uh, let's talk about Guts Racing. Uh, Jason, I didn't ask you, do you ride? Um, I used to. I actually made it to Loretta Lynn's last year for the first time ever. And then three weeks before, I had a pretty bad crash and broke my back and had to get surgery. So the answer is no, I do not ride anymore. But I did have a Guts Racing seat. <laughs> okay, well, that's what I was about to ask. And I was going to say, you know, you, you probably would not have crashed if you had a Guts on. So we kind of screwed that up. But <laughs> that's all right. Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers of foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson and McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and many more, including myself, 
If it's style performance you want, you've come to the right place. So check out gutsracing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light seat pump, seat, yeah, seat foam, seat foam. Let's get back to Eli for a minute, Mason, and some MXDN talk. Let's listen. To win motocross the nation, it's overall, it's Olympic scoring. Um, who's going to have um, a le- uh, um, less difference of results overall between Eli on the 250 and 450 and let's say Anderson 250, 450? Who would have the closest result to his 450 result on the 250? That's where you win more across the nation. The you- MX2 class, yes. Tomorrow they say Christian. We take the third guy is Christian Craig. Yeah, I will not put Christian at two fifty. Leave him on the four fifty. Right, he can go a podium. Go podium and and yeah. Eli on the MX two MX MX three race. Let's go a podium one two three and then on the MX two MX one race. Give us a top five. Eli, you're gonna eat roost. I'm so, we're sorry, <laughs> but do it for the flag. <laughs> doing for the country. Uh, we know you're going to start like shit. You're going to eat sand all day, but do it for your country. You know, remember, you know, Bob Hanna in United 87. Uh, remember um, Johnny O'Mara in Major uh, 86. It, it, remember Steve Lamson in Harris yeah, de la Frontera in, yeah. in 96, winning with the 125. You know what? We talk about those guys today as huge legends. Is this your speech to Eli to jump and no. drop down? Me, I'm, you know what? Like it is. Yeah, I think it is. You don't want to be like 15 and 17. Right. It, it does make sense what you're yeah. saying. Leave the two lesser guys, in quote, right. like, right. you know, as today, like maybe the, the, the two worst are out of the three mm-hmm. um, in the standings. Keep them on their bike. The bigger badass putting on a... 250 well, and then, what do you, what, you know what do you think Eli there's the speech there <laughs> but, it is <laughs> but that's that, that's what I would say that's hey, what I would say you've got my my gears turning I'll tell you that that's for sure you cannot take a crappy 250 guy uh all right Mason so team USA's future uh team manager this was absolutely my highlight of the show I thought this was one of the best points he made like I can't argue his point it made so much sense he Laid it out there very well, and had Eli laughing. Uh, yeah, what did you think about his? You know, do you do you agree with him? Do you think it makes sense? And just the fact that he had such great uh, perception on this. Yeah, DB's take on this was great, and he's definitely not wrong about anything that he was saying. Um, it was it was cool to hear that Eli was you know not opposed to it and got the gears turning, and I'd love to see something come from it. Um, I doubt we will, but. It'd be really cool to see Eli on a 250 at the Nations. Yeah, it, I I agree. I, I kind of wonder, like, as much influence as Steve's show seems to have lately, as we start seeing these things happening in Feld, uh, AMA reaching out to Steve to help promote T-shirt sales and for Team USA and all these things, that maybe somebody goes, oh, that's actually not a bad idea. Somebody that's listening to Pulp goes, oh, that's actually a pretty good idea, especially if Eli, Jason, if Eli goes in, to Bob Hanna, uh, Bob Hanna, to DeCoster and says, I want to ride the 250. Like, if it really got to him, if he thought about it last night, couldn't sleep, woke up this morning, calls DeCoster and goes, I want to ride the 250. Eh, he could be on the 250. I know it's very, very unlikely, but I am not going to rule it out. I like it. I really I like, like it. Honestly, I, I've been listening, you know, like I listened to what Steve says about the MXDN talk, so I've been hearing like what you guys are saying. 
and I've never even thought about Eli dropping down. And <laughs> I think that, that would, I mean, that's like borderline genius. I mean, why not put Eli on one of those star 250s, which are great bikes. You leave Sexton on a 450 and then let Anderson take the third spot on a 450. And those are all three guys that they want to do it for America. They, they, I mean, that's the best we got. I, I, I think that that's, that's a great idea. I think it should happen. Yeah. Again, my highlight of the night by far, uh, Eli Tomac and David Villeman Mason both think the team gets announced too early. Yeah, who yeah. gives a shit right. about postal and photos? I, I know. I'm with you. you. Know, I, who gives a shit? I know. We're, we're there to try to win the thing, man. So that audio, Mason, came from the fact that they're talking. Like Eli said, hey, whoever does ride the 250, whoever we pick, should race the last couple rounds on a 250. So... Like let's get this out there. Let's get it prepared for the end of the outdoor season. We need to like let's but let's announce it now. And they both kind of, and at that point, I think DV said, "Yeah, I've always felt like they they announced it too early." So yeah, another perceptive insight from actually Eli and David. And like, why do we have to announce it? Why not announce it now? I mean, I think they've already got the team pretty much picked anyway. They know who they're going to have. So like, why not? I thought that was great. Yeah, I thought it was a really good idea by Eli. You know, let him race the end. Let him get used to it and do some uh, pre-testing there. Yeah, it seems too smart, right? Like, why not? Like, I don't get it, it really. Yeah, makes too much sense. Yeah, it makes too much sense. Perfect. Uh, Jason, the other thing I kind of mentioned, Eli admitting about the wheelbarrow full of money for World Supercross, but he also kind of talked about, like, how he's changing his mindset about being burnt out. I think in the past he said, I didn't want to do all those things so much because... I might get burnt out. Maybe he was getting a little bit burnt out, but he clearly has a more appreciation for what he's doing this season. Wants to travel more. He's doing a little better with the fans. I think talk interaction, the interviews, like it's, it's, I, I wish this had been Eli. Like, well, I wish we had the same Eli three years ago. Yeah, I agree. I wish, I mean, there's a few guys that got kind of burnt out and left a little bit early, in my opinion, and I, I kind of hate to see that. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like Anderson said this year that he wanted, like, he's scared that a younger guy's going to come and take his ride, and, like, he's not ready to be done. And I like hearing that from these guys. Like, I know that Eli's, I mean, you know, he went to you know, three years in a row on outdoor titles, and then he got a Supercross title, and then he had his kids. So I'm sure that you know, he's had a lot going on and stuff, and he probably did start getting burnt out. I mean, he's been doing this for, I remember watching him out Loretta Lens when he was like on a 65, you know, or RM85 or whatever and stuff, and he's been at this for a long time. So I'm glad that he's starting to change his mind, and I think doing the World Supercross would be cool for him and his young family. Like, why not travel if you can, you know? Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, great job from Pulp and David on the Eli interview. Again, best of the night. One more thing I want to talk about before we – well, this is actually not about Eli, but another point that David made, Mason, was they were talking about Jet and they were talking about Hunter, and the topic came up about uh, that Hunter has to learn to not – to stop following. He said this about a lot of the pros. Got to stop following. Uh, He made the joke sort of like you need to go – ride. maybe it wasn't a joke. Go ride at local tracks more and ride with the goons. I think he's somewhat right and somewhat wrong. I think these riders need to look ahead a little more than they seem to, but they they do need to be more aware somehow. Now, how do you make that happen, Mason? Maybe going to Glen Helen on a Thursday when guys like myself are out there could help a little bit, but I think partly they do need to be more aware. Partly they need to be looking ahead more, uh, but just, I guess give me your thoughts on what David had to say. 
Um, I think that he's on to a couple of things. I, I do agree that um, Hunter should probably have a little bit more, I guess, awareness of what's going on up front of him and maybe seeing where those guys are going to maybe read the track a little bit better. However, he's the first one to him. They're not necessarily expecting him to come up behind him at that point, uh, depending on where they're at in the race. Uh, it sucks. I mean, you see it a lot. It's not just Hunter that, you know, has gotten stuck behind some lappers or that the lappers have, um, you know, changed the, the race result. Um, and I think some of it falls on the lappers, but some of it definitely falls on the, the riders. Yeah, I probably should respect David's opinion on this more, his outlook, because I have never caught up to a lapper at that kind of speed. It happens so fast for those guys, so I really cannot relate. But then, again, that's that's why David was on the show, right? He has the history, he has the knowledge, he has experience to make this comment. So, yeah, anyway, just a thought. Uh, Mason, Jason just told us he really doesn't ride anymore, but he does help out a privateer, a professional racer. Tell him why Seal Savers would help him. Well, seal savers are going to extend the life of his fork seals. Um, they act as a pre-wipe wiping dirt, dust, and mud from getting up into the fork seals. Um, they're really simple to install. Just wrap them around, zip them up, throw a zip tie on to keep them in place, and uh, won't have to worry about his fork seals. There you go, Jason. Tell, tell Alessio seal savers. Yeah, we're going to have to get on it. I'll have to check them out. All right. We, you can use that discount code and save you some money. Nick Way. Good deal. Nick Way, one of my favorite people to hear i still remember i he did not originate the saying but he was the first person i ever heard say it where he said i stay ready so i don't have to get ready i i freaking as soon as i heard him say that i was like holy shit that was mind-blowing like that was one of the coolest things i'd ever heard anybody say i've heard other people say it since but i love nick way uh jason he is a great guest he's funny knowledgeable uh entertaining just love tons of stories I loved hearing him talk about working with Joe Shimoda. How'd you feel about Nick Way? I agree. I really liked it, too. Um, same thing with Nick. Uh, I watched him a long time ago at Loretta Lynn's, probably like in the A classes and stuff, and I used to love watching him race. And uh, now that he's working with some of the top guys and he's got a son that's really good, um, he's obviously very knowledgeable, and um, he, he is a really nice guy. You can just tell, like, I've seen him at the races a few times and stuff, and he just carries himself really well. And um, I think, I think that it's really helping Joe. I mean, I oh, think, yeah, to me, yeah. I mean, I think it's clear that it's obviously something's working, and it's got to be somewhat pointed to Nick, right? Yeah, it's got to be definitely some of his influence. I mean, it did. It, the, the results seem to change very quickly. Maybe what a lot of people would say it was too quickly after he started working with Nick to make that much difference, but not necessarily. Uh, there was a mental shift for sure. Let's listen to what they, they talked about. Uh, Joe Shimoda, you've been working with him for a while uh, starting this year. How does the Shimoda thing come together? His mom had reached out to me in Supercross, and then I knew that he had worked with, with Yannig um, Carvella, which is, he does a pretty good job in my opinion. Yeah. And so I was like, I don't know why you guys would switch. I'm not I'm not into it. I don't agree with changing in the middle of the year. And right. then uh, we ended up working it out to see to just to like a trial thing for outdoors because they ended up stopping working with him regardless i guess um and then i've just been helping him and he's actually been here last few weeks trying to get comfortable with things that he's uncomfortable with do you then, is a guy like that is he getting his eyes opened up a little bit is he like i'm not ready for this or i don't want to do like i this is a big shock to me like what what's it like getting a guy and showing him okay this is how this is our program this is what we do or does he does he fit in seamlessly 
and his results are improving because of maybe more day-to-day hands-on talking and things like that? Like, I'm just trying to figure out how we saw this improvement from, from Joe. Like, I'm conscious of things that I can see that he's good at or not good at and just trying to work on things that he's uncomfortable with doing. Yeah. Training off the bike is probably harder than he would like it to be. He's buying into it because he's seeing results. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's the tough part is, listen, stay with me. You'll get results. Stay with me, like, right, As you, if you're talking to a rider. Mason, this is a really good question from Steve of trying to, like, hey, explain how this is happening, what you're doing, how it's working. I was a little bummed because I think Nick Way's answers were pretty vague, like getting comfortable with things that he's not comfortable with. Well, what are these things? Like, tell me, what, what is it? You know, what is he working harder at? What is he adjusting to? What are these things? And he kind of, he really didn't give us details. I would have liked to have known what Joe is uncomfortable with. And I think it's the aggression because I feel like that's what we've seen change is being aggressive when Joe told me at one of the races, or maybe it was on the show, but anyway, he, yeah, on the, the Moto Xbox show that, hey, I do kind of get comfortable. I like to be clean and smooth, and riding over that edge is something I'm not comfortable with. But I kind of wish Nick had said that's what it was, or maybe it was something else. Yeah, I agree. He was a little bit vague there. Um, I think some of what Joe's going through is a little bit of fitness. I'll, I'll say um, – I saw Nick McAdoo and Joe um, doing some uh, mountain bike riding at one of the local trails uh, called Greer, where a lot of guys ride out here. And uh, McAdoo was was killing it. This was just before Paula and Shimoda was was gas, uh, you know, <laughs> going up this thing. And I was with a, a buddy of mine, and we're like, "Man, how's Shimoda going to do this year?" So it's been really cool to kind of see him pull it around because he was spent going like halfway up this thing. So I, I, I just seen what I saw. Some of it's got to be fitness, and Nick kind of alluded to that more than anything. That the off the bike training stuff's a little bit more harder than he wants to yeah, be. Yeah, he, he did but say that. Yeah. Nick's great. Yeah, Nick is a, a awesome on the show. I love the relationship with Steve, and he's always given um really good insight no matter what he's doing yeah well dv had some thoughts on that situation as well you, you need a little bit of time because you put like full confidence in the trainer too yeah you have yeah. to see yeah, like you, what he you, does you have to go all in right yeah you yep. have to go all in and then see if it works if if you improve and if you like it that's what happened when i started with dylan that's, that's what i told him i'm like hey i work for you for free for two months yeah you know you do what i say yeah you like it right we keep going if you don't like it you don't want to do the stuff I tell you to do, might yeah. as well not do it. If the result comes, I think, right. you know, Joe, like, I think Joe was a, a very good rider before um, before the outdoors, but we never seen the full potential. I, I was, like, uh, in comfort zone yeah. and then not too many take, uh, taking many chances. And and now it's like, uh, I was talking with LeBig earlier on the podcast. I'm like, dude, I love what Joe's doing. Yeah. You know, he's charging from start to finish, fighting for every yeah. position and fighting to to get the best result he can with the circumstances of the start, the first few laps or whatever. Yeah, this first moto at Millville was impressive, Nick. He rode probably better for um, at the first moto at Southwick. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of backed it down the last few laps after he kind of he caught Jet significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once he got closer, he made a mistake and then kind of thought second was good. And then I let him know what I thought about that. Um <laughs> And this weekend he was uh, he was a little bit better. Do some things that make him uncomfortable, and then try to hold him accountable with his effort, um, which is generally like someone in my positions and, and what DB is doing. That's that's the that's the bulk of the where you're adding value. His effort is getting out of his comfort zone and then being a little bit like uh, aggressive. Yeah, I did ask Joe today 
at the gym if I was too, if I'm too aggressive with my communication. <laughs> Jason, what I liked about this was David. David talked about him being a trainer, and you know he made the point. Hey, you have to give the guy, the trainer, some time to build confidence, and that probably would be very easy for Joe, as he talked about earlier, to be like, well, no, it's too the work off the bike's too hard, or I don't really like it. But if you if you put your faith in the process and give it a chance, they'll show you what will work. And David's so adamant and believes in his program so much that with guys like Dylan and I think some other riders in the past, he's like, I'll, I'll do it for free for the first couple months to show you can see the results. And then if you don't like it, fine. It's not for you. We'll part ways. Pretty, pretty blunt about it, but I love his outlook on it. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, um, if you're going to offer a couple months for free, um, obviously you believe in yourself because, mm-hmm. you know, like that's kind of the, the bait on the hook there. So you're not going to offer that for free if you don't think they're going to trust you. So like that would be, that would make me feel pretty good going into things. And I think with Joe, I think Joe, the ceiling for Joe is pretty high. And I think that his skill level is almost a little bit ahead of him. And I think that he's starting to grow into that. Like he's been the only guy really that could go toe to toe with, you know, some other guys have snuck in there here and there, but like Joe's shown that like weekend after weekend under the right circumstances, he can go toe to toe with Hunter and Jet. And, um, I think Nick with the fitness and stuff, like I, maybe that's what was lacking and, and he has been good. Southwick, he struggled a little bit. Like Nick said, maybe he backed it down, but, um, that track was pretty brutal. So yeah. I think I would have probably done the same thing. Well, I love that Nick. Nick said, I told him how I felt about that, like backing it down. We don't, we don't do that, basically. You know, yeah. you're, you're, you keep going, and, and that's a shift in his mental thought that Joe needs to have, right? He needs to say, hey, second is not necessarily good enough. If you have something left in the tank, put it all out there. So, that yeah, I think we're going to see that. That was great stuff from those guys. Uh, Jason, let me ask you this. With the content within Pulp Mex, do you like the structured content, the planned content, like these interviews, or – tweet at tater with the tweet at tater segment or do you like the spontaneous stuff that just sort of pops up during conversation uh like joey savachi calling in randy richardson calling in you know we don't know it's gonna happen it just happens do you have a preference you like both equally yeah i mean i like i like knowing who's gonna be on there because it is cool seeing like who he brings in and stuff but um i kind of wish more people would like joey did like i i think that it would be cool if a couple more people would call in randomly and just say like hey i was listening and i had a question like because let's face it like i don't care if you're eli tomac or alex ray i mean like you've got questions like you're you're wondering what other guys are thinking or doing like so they're all they've all got to be a fan in some aspect i would imagine so it would be cool if some of these other guys would call in and maybe you know pick other people's brains and stuff so yeah, it happens every once in a while, uh, Mason, and it's always really cool. How do you do you like the spontaneous stuff more? Or do you like the structure? Um, I like the, a little bit of both. I mean, some of that spontaneous stuff is all is oftentimes the highlights, but I always look forward to the tweets at whoever. I always look forward to X Brands, the rant. Yeah, so okay. I like some of the the um, planned chaos on there, but also the unscripted <laughs> stuff is really fun too. Well, the unscripted stuff that spontaneous that did happen Monday night. Come, stemming off of their discussion of training and working harder to get better, uh, DV had some opinions on this, as he does a lot of stuff, and that's fine. We all have our opinions. Uh, but his opinions led into one of the top pros calling in. More than half of the field, it, they're all lazy. They, they, they don't work. 
You know, they don't know. They don't know what hard work is. Would you say they're lazy in the aspect of on the bike program or off the bike program? No, lazy is a big word. I understand. Maybe I'll take it back. Maybe they don't know or they don't realize the amount of work it. uh, I I think it's that one. You don't realize. You think you're working hard until you see someone's someone else's program where you're like twice as much. You're like, oh, mom had a tough time like um, adjusting at the beginning. He was like hating. Smoked. I'm like, dude, you're going to hate life for at least five, six weeks here because you're going to do double. I I always thought the the key to Baker's Factory to me is not the the work off the bike. It's the competition on every day that you ride with these guys. Yeah, but that's the key. It's not that much. They don't do it. People think like it's like crazy hard. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying the competition on the track of like, I'm going to race with some of the world's best racers and try to. Emulation, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. It's the everyday grind of not wanting to be the slowest guy. Yeah. Mason, so this, I, I think even like Cooper Webb said when he went to Alden's, uh, you know, he thought he was working hard until he got there. I think that's a really great point that was made. And, and you know, DV kind of corrected himself. He didn't mean they're all lazy. But the point of, like, you, everybody thinks they're working hard until they get to, with somebody that really the elite, elite, elite guys and see what they're putting in, what they're willing to put their bodies through. And, you know, I thought that was great insight, right? Because, again, we, we know that all these guys, they all road bike probably, they all do some gym, but there are different levels. So hearing them break it down was pretty cool. And I and even Joey kind of questioned it. I, Joey calling in was awesome. So I thought that was really cool that he wanted to get more detail of what David was saying. Yeah, it was great. And uh, kind of like Jason said, it would be cool if other guys, I mean, you know more of listening. It'd be cool if other guys came in and get, you know, pick TV's brain or Steve's brain on whatever it is the topic is. Um, but, the, you know, what they were talking about as far as uh, off the bike training, you don't know what you don't know. So um, it's, it's oftentimes cool to see a, an athlete like a Shimoda who maybe changed it up a little bit and took a minute to kind of figure it out. But now it seems to be catching on and, and doing really well for him. Yeah, and Jason, like I, the the quote from Savachi is the everyday grind of not wanting to be the slowest guy. That probably is absolutely the best uh, way to get better for ninety five percent of the riders. There are those guys like uh, Eli's, you know, or Dungey to a little bit that kind of like doing their own thing to not quote unquote show what they've got or what they're doing. But I see that that everyday grind of not wanting to be the slowest. And as Steve said, the key to Baker's Factory is competition between the riders. Like, I see that being the biggest um, success, what's the word? Like, benefit, I guess, for, for success is having that. Every, like, as I said, all these guys road bike, all these guys do weight training. There's probably different programs that work better for different people, different you know body types, et cetera. But the going out there and riding at a race pace against guys that are equal to or very close to your speed – I, I totally agree. I think that's the best thing for anybody that's at that level. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, you know, Eli's kind of a different – I would say that he's his own thing. Obviously, he doesn't really need to ride with people. Um, he never has. But um, I'm from originally from Ohio, so I, I've known the Plessingers for a while, and I talk to AP when I can and stuff. And when he got to Baker's, you know – he was excited to be able to ride with Malcolm and Cooper and some other guys because, you know, the more, like you just said, the more guys that are out there that you're going to pretty much be racing against, like 
that's what you want. I mean, you're not going to get faster. Well, like I said, Eli's an exception, but typically you're not going to get faster just out logging laps by yourself. I mean, you need people or someone or something to push you more than just lap times in a pit board, I think. I, I agree. I think so. I, I have to agree with everybody that was on the phone, but I love that Joey called in. That was great. I think the reason more writers, there are a lot of people that listen to Pulp Max, but I think most don't listen to all of it, if any of it, live Monday night. That's why we probably don't get as many. I know, like, Christian Craig listens, you know, not maybe necessarily all the show, but he listens enough, but he probably doesn't listen Monday night. You know, he's got kids trying to get in bed and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, very cool things when these guys call in. I get a little bit jealous. I'm like, man, I wish, I wish Joey Savacci was listening to my show. Call into my show, Joey. Can't even get Joey on my show. Damn it. <sighs> well, you guys know all about the Michelin motorcycles, the Starcross Sixes from listening to Pulp Mex. Michelin Bicycle Tires, the sponsor of this very wrap-up show, and we love them for it. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire, and to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin Bicycle Tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink, and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, then you need to visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products, including the Wild Enduro, the E-Wild Series, the new BMX Pilot 20-inch tires, or any of the road models, visit bike.michelin.com. With my new job starting tomorrow, I literally was able to delete my alarms out of my phone today. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to load up my mountain bike with my wild enduro tires and i'm going to go start pedaling in the mornings to get my butt in shape thank you to michelin bicycle tires i appreciate you randy richardson you're the man uh okay let's get into trying to decide what's good um nick way a little bit uh we already talked about him coming on we talked about him with shimoda steve jason i'm gonna go to you steve still wants his drill back what what is his deal with this freaking drill you probably don't even know what the back, you probably don't even know the backstory to the drill. You haven't been listening long enough. The drill. He wants his drill no, back from Nick okay. Way. All right. Oh, okay. Yeah, I must have missed that. Nick Way has had his drill for I don't even know how long, Mason. And every time they talk, Steve wants his damn drill back. I think it was like an old Makita cordless. It's probably not even like you know, it probably doesn't even have any power anymore. It's from ten years fifteen years ago. It probably sucks, Mason, but Steve wants his damn drill back. Yeah, just typical uh, Steve fashion, just always looking for something to uh, give someone a hard time with. Um, but, it, you know, that that's also something that I really like about Pulp is there's some, like, many storylines with uh, within the people that come on. Like with Nick, there was, I think, a stand going back and forth between them for a while, oh, too, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so the stand, the drill, there's oftentimes little side stories, obviously, all the time with JT and Weed on other shows. But some of these little... Um, Miniature series within within the story are oftentimes really fun, and and the follow up after a couple you know years <laughs> of listening to it is what I really like about it. Yeah, me too. It's good stuff. As you listen more, Jason, you'll start kicking up on these things that they've talked about. And you, I don't know how much you do it, but when you when there's an off week, go back and listen to some old shows. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I try to catch up on like I uh, I deliver campers here and there, so oh, when yeah. I'm on the road. I that's all I do is listen to the pulp show. So I try to catch up on older ones. You, and you, you mean Pulp and Moto X Pod. I know you mean that. That's okay. Yeah, I actually have been listening to a few years lately. Okay, there we go. There we yeah, go. Yeah. All right. I enjoy them. Good, good. That's perfect. That's all I needed, even if it's not true. Uh, <laughs> Caller Tony asked about the rumors of J-Law coming back to race. 
That led to a story about selling parts that J Law had to sell parts to get some of his money back. They gave him a bunch of parts, you know, to kind of cover some of his contract, which then led to a bit of a David Villeman rant. But he was selling factory clamps and factory Yamaha parts not that long ago. <laughs> you guys do the same thing. All you guys mechanics. I, 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 I do not. I, I have not. No, but oh. so I'll, I'll put all you, like factory mechanics, uh-huh. ex-factory mechanics. Yeah. They have like bins of factory stolen parts in their garage. I'll be on bikes. I know all of them. They all have stuff that charge you like two grand for a pair of triple cranks. Well, we were underpaid. And then... Yeah, they, all those uh, restoration bikes you see, they're all made by stolen parts. All the mechanics are left with, like, titanium. Race tech rant, everybody. All right, Nick Way's the, on the phone. Can we the, talk to the, Nick? Those parts should be, like, cut in half okay. in the, in the bin. Right. But the guy, instead of going to the machine shop and cut everything, he put it in his truck. I, and he say, oh, maybe in 15 years I'll sell it. I may or may not have had a set of factory clamps, races and bearings and everything. Yeah, you took it with you. I did. Yeah, I gave him to Chad though. Mason, I don't, I don't like David's take on this. I mean, like it, I don't know. It is what it is. And stolen parts, but he's like, just cut them in half. No, you can't waste that stuff. Uh, I don't like his rant. I disagree. Uh, you know, if they they end up with some extra parts. The old, the retired mechanics or the riders. So be it. Who cares? Yeah, I agree with you. I, I mean, I can understand what he's saying about some of those parts, you know, should be cut up. You don't want people to steal them and yeah, um, I disagree. hitting the quote unquote black market, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> however, as someone that would want to purchase one of those factory parts off of the black market, I think they should stick around. Yeah, exactly. And Jason, my favorite part, though, of that audio is Steve going, hey, can we please talk to Nick Way and DV not even paying attention? Nope, I'm going to keep talking. Don't care what you have to say. He did that multiple times Monday night where Steve would try to get him redirected and he was not having it. Yeah, he would just breeze right past yeah. him. He did that yeah, yeah, quite a few times. Yeah, that was good. Uh, all right, let's talk about the race tech rant real quick, Jason. Here we go. I was going to do one about the live timing going down this weekend. Uh, yeah, that was a pain in the butt. That, Dude, that sucked. For three motos, nobody knew what it Marks, did, did the live timing affect you at all? Just a little bit? Oh, yeah. He woke. Yeah. He just woke up. Just, just a little bit. Yeah. Um, because I follow. Usually, it's either I'm on my phone on the live timing and yeah. watch on TV, yeah. or I have my computer. Yeah. And I watch, and then I see what's I want to see like the lap times and the gap and who's like mm-hmm. not on the board. Yeah. And this weekend, that was horrible. Yeah. It was tough. Uh, I just I just can't believe we're we're a major sport. And we're having timing issues. But what, was that just, a problem with... Uh, I don't know. I never sourced it out. But TV and AMA are different sources. And they both were fluctuating with crazy results all over the place. Uh, before we move on and discuss this topic, I do want to give a shout-out. Race Tech, Pulp 22 to save. My forks are back in for Blue Crew. My suspension got back today. My, my rear shock. I'm looking at them. They are beautiful. So thank you to Clay Olson at PDR Performance up in Minneapolis, for uh, they are race tech obviously service center and he took care of me hooked me up cannot wait to put them back on my blue crew and i'll put my seal savers on and hopefully get to do some riding this weekend so thanks to race tech for taking care of me uh mace or jason do you play fantasy first of all i do not i think i'm going to next year but i i don't get into it yeah well this rant it doesn't affect you in that way but it is extremely annoying it's somewhat unprofessional and kind of janky as steve might say about his show when you're watching regularly regularly and the timing and scoring is messed up like you don't 
see this that I'm aware of in NASCAR or Indy or, you know, MotoGP, why can we not figure out how it's not that hard? I, I feel like we're going backwards. I mean, doesn't like just a couple of years ago, weren't like the whole national series, like almost free. And then, and then I'm like standing in the mechanics area cause I'm with Alessio and you know, we're working on, you know, we're working on getting into that top 20, but they don't show any of the results in the mechanics area under the top 20 and the board to the left is like going crazy. And I'm like, what, what is going on right now? I didn't know they didn't so, show outside the top 20. I had no idea. No, I can't see his lap times like over on like the lap time board in the mechanics yeah, area. If yeah. you're not, if your guy's not in the top twenty, you pretty much, yeah, you can't wow. see your lap times. Well, that, it, yeah. yeah, it's pretty frustrating. It makes us look really bad, Mason. You know, and I I went back into the media center a couple times right at the end because I was like, all right, I want to check on my my score. I want to watch the last couple laps on TV because I was, you know, being there, you miss a few things. So I kind of want to get a drink of water, check it out. And I was like looking up at the time in the scoring and it had three or four guys that there's no way they were in the top 10 in the top 10. I was like, Oh wow, this is interesting. Yeah. It's kind of a joke. Yeah. I knew something was up. I saw Jerry Robin was in second, like 14 minutes <laughs> oh, wow. into the moto. I and I'm see like, that one. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, something's odd here. And then, cause I didn't get to watch live, unfortunately. So I was like freaking out cause I was doing really good. I had a perfect two fifty team uh, for the first moto on fantasy. So I was like stoked. And then, I uh, saw that like Jerry Robin, like I said, was in second. So I was like, okay, yeah, this is something's wrong here. But it's it's hard to be a moto fan. I mean, it's hard enough to watch the races, and then timing and scoring doesn't work it work right. It's it's hard to get into it. I'd be frustrated as a new viewer because I mean, I'm frustrated as someone that loves the sport and pays way too much attention to it. Right. Yeah, I had a couple guys in fantasy that were like maybe top five when I was watching with like two minutes to go, and I was, all right, I'm gonna walk back to the tent, watch the last lap. And, and see what my score is. And I got back to the tent, and they were like 11th or 12th. I was like, whoa, I think it was Hammerker. I was like, did Hammerker crash? And then somebody was like, no, the timing's just jacked. I was like, oh, okay, thank God. Didn't help yeah. my score. My score was absolutely god-awful. I, I absolutely give up on fantasy. I'm over it. Oh, I, w- I wish they kept the scores before the, re- the, <laughs> the corrected uh, well, timing. Was, mine, oh, wasn't, man, mine wasn't good there either. Listen, I had Ansi who didn't finish. I had Ty Masterville who didn't finish. Uh, I think I had Nate Thrasher who didn't finish a moto. Oh, just awful, awful. Just I, I need to quit picking people because honestly, I think when I pick them, they don't finish. So, yeah, I, it feels I, like that. Man, yeah. you're really selling this fantasy game for Jason. No, right it's now. a blast. It's so much fun. You got to play. <laughs> it sounds like it. it. Sounds like it. Huh? <laughs> it's so much fun. You still got to play. It just drives you insane yeah. at the same time. I, right. I feel like I I get like you guys where I'm like I, I get so frustrated that I like supercross and it's like you pick your guys and they do horrible and you're like. You find yourself getting more mad at the races instead of enjoying them. I'm like, I don't want it to be like that. Yeah, I don't get mad at the riders, or I don't even get mad anymore. I just get disappointed in myself. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah it sounds like an exaggeration, but I am literally like, how do I pick somebody that every week they're consistent, and then I pick them, and that's the week they don't they they don't do well. Like, how is it possible? I just don't feel. We're kind of getting off topic a little bit, but. I don't feel like there's that much skill in this game. You can't know that if I pick Eli next week, he's going to DNF. There's no way to know that. But if I pick Eli, he's going to DNF. It just is what it is. That's not skill. That is luck, and I am having terrible luck in 2022 in fantasy. And I hate it, but God, I love it. 
All right. No. I'll sign up next year. Okay, you need to do it. Yeah, you got to join some of our leagues, <laughs> and then we could text yeah. and, and bust each other's balls about it. Right now, all you would be doing is but I can't even bust my friend's balls because I lose. I think I'm in last place in my groups every week. <laughs> so I have not had one week where I could go, yeah, I killed it. You guys suck. Even if I did, I couldn't do that because it's just unrealistic. I'm so bad. Oh, okay. Those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motosport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you're racing the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motosport.com. You guys can go to PulpMixShow.com or even PulpMix.com, and there are widgets or whatever they're called the motorsport logo you click on that logo takes you to the website then you steve gets a little kickback maybe from that i'm not sure i don't remember exactly how i don't think it's a discount i think he gets a little credit at the very least for your purchases and you can find all the wrap-up show sponsors on there including seal savers guts racing michelin as well as fly racing x-brand goggles most of if not all of the pulpmex sponsors check it out motorsport.com okay a few more things here actually we've got quite a few st- to get to so is there anyone more judgmental than steve mathis at what level of monk status do you plan to stage an intervention for jt we're getting there that's all i'll say we're getting there we're not there but if he keeps this up we'll get there can you stage any sort of intervention with me i karate chop you in the face jt has no life he is dedicated to working out have you seen him he's ripped no. He, he's it's good. good. He looks like him. he looks like a, a fitness model of some sort of like men's health cover magazine. All he does is look at his stocks all day long. Uh, none of this is true. By uh, the way. He looks at his stocks all day long. He works full time for WPS. True. He he works out nonstop, morning and afternoon. He eats two session he, pro, he eats, protein uh, shakes oh, no, and no, no, all and this stuff. He so we found out this weekend, DV. He checks a cooler with the airline. To bring his own food to eat at the races on Sunday. Cause of, I know a lot of people that do that. They travel oh with their own God. food. Oh, oh, my God. I just want my friend back. All Steve wants to do is find things that he doesn't like or, like, some sort of, like, nuance that I have and just no. ram it into no. the ground. Not yes, true. This Not is what true. you've been doing for a decade. Not it true. It absolutely is. Nope. It is. First, first is the interview. Nice to work out. Nice to food. Just leave him alone, bro. Well, he's done a great job in interview. Just I don't like the pull away. I just don't like the pull away. Are you going to take Lars up on his offer? No, I'm going to do the same exact thing I was doing and been doing. Okay. What the hell are you talking about? All right. All right. She feels good doing it. Let him do it. Uh, dude, I, you I, don't have. Uh, you d- I'm worried about him. Listen, I'm worried about you're him. You're not. You're being an asshole. No. You, you don't have to have everybody Every, all day. You're being an asshole. This is ongoing via text all day. No, tweets, no, polls, text, bullshit. You don't. It you, is too. People don't know. have. JT, have you ever had someone be more critical of your life choices than Mathis? That's not even humanly possible. So <laughs> oh, no, geez. but I, I mean, it, he he is reaching the outer limit. Mason, yeah, Steve, whew, man, Steve, I, I'm getting a little taste of this. I have been for over the last, you know, couple of years, it feels like, but I'm seeing it more and more kind of being projected at me as well. So I feel JT completely. Uh, I, I sensed that JT was a little bit angry there at the end. You're being an asshole. Yes, you are. Uh, that kind of thing. But yeah, Steve is rough with this stuff. That whole cooler discussion, I was privy to that. Saturday morning at 
Millville, standing around the media tent, me, Weege, Kellen Brower, JT. Steve was hounding this thing about the cooler, and I don't think anybody really thought it was that big of a deal other than Steve because, again, as JT said, he's searching for things. And I can give you examples. He does the same thing with Kiefer, whether it's Kiefer talking to people at the track, Kiefer – you know, doing uh, amateur racing, whether it's me and my hair, my chick, my job, my nickname, uh, posting about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or the new topic, which he did not get to when I called in about me, or even Weege being cheap. Like, Mason, this is what Steve does, and he is pretty relentless. And there's a there's points where you go, fuck me, dude. I, I can't, like, he's gotten in my head where I'm like, if I post this, is there anything in this that Steve can blast? <laughs> that's funny um i definitely think he he grinds it hard i mean and he, even listening to just the review show he spent 10 to 15 minutes going on him on there you know in person and in text he's just going out it. Yeah. so i do understand how it would get old being uh in jt or even your shoes and we've kind of talked about that a little bit but it would get old hearing it just nonstop. i mean i i'm sure there's multiple shows where they talk for 10 to 15 minutes i mean i've heard him you know bitching about this cooler for an hour now this week <laughs> right, so right, right. and i'm not even i don't even have anything to do with it yeah. so yeah i could totally understand uh where jt's coming from here that's funny so jason as a relatively newer listener do you find this entertaining though knowing it's partly serious Steve really probably is blown away by this, but he also knows it's good content. I think it's good content. So where do you fall when you hear stuff like this? Uh, I'm pretty probably like right in the middle again. I mean, I know most of it's probably all in good fun, but sometimes like some of the things I've heard him say to like you or whatever, I'm like, oh man, like it's kind of ruthless, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I know it's just a joke, but it's like, dang. And then the cooler thing, like, I don't know. I mean, I saw JT. Like, the dude looks like he's in great shape. So, I don't know. He's he, ripped. You know, like, some people have, like, food allergies and stuff. So, I could see them traveling. Like, I don't know if he does. But, like, regardless, if he needs certain food, then that's on him, right? I mean. Yeah, yeah. Like, why, it, Steve, like, I asked so. Steve, why is this that big of a deal? It's not that who yeah. cares. But, yeah. It's not he, affecting him. No, it's not. Well, he says it is. <laughs> and maybe it is. Maybe the way Steve <laughs> is wired, it is affecting him. He's like, I just want my friend back. But the, the new thing on me, and he said we'll bring this up some other time, was so at Millville, two different photographers. One is my buddy who just started shooting. It was just, Millville was his first race ever to shoot, quote, unquote, professionally. And then Jay Reed on Instagram, she, she caught a picture. I'm not even supposed to use that word. She sent me a picture of me interviewing um, Talon. It was either Talon. One of them got me interviewing Talon Hawkins. One of them got me interviewing someone else. And I posted them on my Instagram. And I was like, hey, so-and-so caught me talking to this person. So-and-so caught me talking to this person. You know, just kind of giving a little credit to the picture, to the photographer. Just I thought it was kind of cool. Because I am still sort of new at this. So when I see that, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Look, that's me. Yay. But then I, I'm scrolling through Twitter and I see Steve going something along the lines of, oh, yeah, I got caught doing this. And then Kiefer's like, caught me in this situation. But they didn't even tag me. And I was like, they're clearly, clearly fucking with me. So then I like put a group text with the two of them. And I was like, man, you can't do shit without you two starting something they're like what 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 are you talking about how do you know we're talking about you i'm like motherfucker i know you too i know what your game is 
And then, like, Kiefer was, I talked to Kiefer privately afterwards. He's like, dude, there's just certain rules you got to learn. You're still new at this. You're not jaded yet. He's like, you can't say caught. And I'm like, oh, fuck you. Who cares? But anyway, that is, that is those two guys being miserable and jaded by the sport. And I still (laughs) wide eyed and bushy tailed or whatever. I'm still excited by it, Jason. So fuck those guys. I agree. I agree. That's how I would be too. I mean, like, even with the small role that I'm playing, like I've been going to some races and I've never been able to go to these things. So yeah. like we, for instance, like when we rolled up into the first motos this weekend, the guy, like all the, the factory Honda guys came up right next to me. And I'm just like, Whoa, this is way different. <laughs> so I see what you're saying. Like, you know, interviewing these guys, like it's cool for you. Like it's a, I don't know. I think you should enjoy that and you should feel, you know, pr- like happy about what you're doing. So I don't, I'm on your side. Yeah, it's just them busting balls a little bit. But they, they yeah. definitely – Steve is very good about finding little things and making <laughs> them big things, and I think he enjoys it a little bit. And I do also think he thinks some of this shit is weird for him. But Steve's also Mason, – Mason, Steve is also a very weird guy with some things. Yeah, he's definitely a weird guy when it comes to a lot of things for sure. Yeah. All right, let's get to this big topic. This is kind of what I want to close with. There might be a couple of little points, but Lucas Myrtle. I actually need to get a whole other notebook here handy. All right, I got it. So there was so much stuff with this interview. I don't know that we can break everything down, but with the, the business side, the marketing side, I feel like Lucas is very, very intelligent. He knows what he's doing. Yes, his goal is to make money. There was people on YouTube going, uh, you know, I don't like this guy because it, all he's all he's worried about is, you know, making as much money from his riders as he can. Well, uh, yeah, that's his job, dude. I mean, this is Disability Island. Yes, Lucas's job is to get the most money for Max Volan, Joe Shimoda, the the Lawrence brothers, so that he too can make the most amount of money that he can off these guys, get them their best deals, so that they make more money and then he makes more money. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. That is his job. This is what he does. So it was very, very frustrating for me to listen to them break down the marketing, how to grow the sport. Lucas having thoughts, ideas, where the sport is going to go. And I'll go to you first, Jason. David would not, just would not, even when he started to give an explanation, Mertz, David's like, yeah, you don't know what you're doing. Uh, you're only saying that, or you, you can't do this. You know, you can't sell this that, because you can't. Uh, you're not a fan of the sport. Like, I I thought it was very disrespectful. I don't think it was intentionally disrespectful, but it was disrespectful to Mertz. I did not like this interview at all. Uh, I 100% agree. Like, when he said you're not a, when he said that you're not a fan of the sport, I was like, I'm like, wow. Like, because I actually didn't get to listen to the whole thing on Monday night. I listened to some of it on Tuesday. Yeah. I'm like, I almost, like, that almost maybe not listen to the rest of the interview. I'm like, wow, dude, like, like one of the probably most intriguing guys currently for me personally in the sport, and you're telling him that he's not a fan, like, I'm pretty sure I see the dude at the races all the time. He's like, at every race, yes. He- uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like how he kind of, I felt he kind of, like, attacked him in a way, and, like, how he said, like, oh, you can't sell this, and you can't sell that. Like, he was making points about the energy drink companies and stuff, and it's like, DV just was not having it and i'm like dude he's making like really valid points and you're just blowing them off yeah i think mason when david doesn't agree with you you can go back to the um 
I'm blanking on the guy's name that worked for NBC that does the Floor's Lava. Uh, Rutledge Wood. Yes, oh, Rutledge, Rutledge Wood. So he, yeah. he did not agree with Rutledge Wood, so he did not respect his opinions and enough to give him a chance to answer. And I kind of felt like that's how it was. He just he didn't agree. And that's okay that David doesn't agree, but you have to give the guy a chance to respond. And you could go to the topic of these, these new formats that are supposedly coming next year between Feld and MX Sports. And, you know, David said, hey, it sounds like a circus. And we're breaking legacy. And Mertz is like, well, I'm not really married to legacy. He, Mertz's thing is, hey, let's try something diff- different. Maybe we can grow the sport in a different way. Maybe there'll be more money for everybody. Maybe it'd be better for, you know, uh, sponsors. Uh, endemic, I think is the word, which is like outside sponsors, I believe. And they, that's when D- DV said, well, you know, you don't respect the legacy because you're not a fan, basically. And I think that was very disrespectful. He doesn't know Mertz well enough to say that. And, and then D, D, uh, DV talked about the return on investments. And I'm not a business guy. Uh, Mason, you are. You could probably maybe speak to this more. But he basically said the return of, on investment of your riders is zero. They're overpaid. And we've heard for years that these riders really don't sell bikes. Like, basically, just because Hunter and Ken and Chase or whoever – or Eli are winning, that doesn't mean somebody's going to go buy a Yamaha or that doesn't mean somebody's going to go buy a Honda. And so it doesn't matter. They're overpaid. There's no value in paying them that much. Again, I feel like that was disrespectful. Mertz even said that's debatable, but he didn't get a chance to debate it. Um, you know, and I just thought that sucked. And, and Mertz had a point. There is a misconception between marketing and sales. They're different. And I wanted to hear him break all that down. And he started to. Uh, Mason and we just didn't get a chance and it's really really disappointing because I felt like I felt like there was stuff there that we talk about all the time and don't have all the details on that Mertz could have explained in a way where we go oh this is why right now he did sort of get into it right that why Verizon or AT&T can't come in because they can't get enough of the market basically or enough of the space and he started making that where I go because I was kind of going oh okay now I get it but then DV just shit on it and shut it down. And I think at that point, Mertz was like, all right, I'm done. He barely said anything after that. Yeah, DV definitely shot him down a couple times. Um, and I was for sure interested in when, when he was talking about like those uh, uh, cellular companies. That was definitely re- really interesting and um, something that we do talk a lot and don't get a ton of insight on. And I think that Mertz was the guy to kind of dig a little bit deeper. So I, I agree with you. It is a shame that uh, DV kind of didn't let it, let him get through it. But to uh, Mertz's credit, he did a really good job of realizing that he's not going to be able to get his point across and not creating an argument. And I almost picked up, um, I didn't get to watch this part live, but I was watching like the other half live. Um, I could audibly pick up on some frustration or I guess some uh, worry from Steve when DB kept interrupting him. Like I almost sensed like a little bit of Steve was kind of losing Mertz at the time. Um, and he was trying to hold on to it. I don't know if you guys picked up on that or if it was just me or what, but I'm curious to get your opinion on it. Well, I'll give you a little peek behind the curtain. I was texting with Steve at the time I told, and I told Steve, I said, Hey, DV needs to let him answer. This is not cool. You know, he needs to give him some time. And Steve was like, yeah. And so Steve was frustrated, I think. I don't think he was yeah. angry. But he, first of all, uh, Jason, you may not have caught this yet, depending on how long you've, how many shows you've heard. Steve really hates losing control of the show. And he absolutely lost control of it during that time. So he wasn't stoked, but he didn't completely shut it down. And you're right. Mertz was not stoked. I think Mertz was texting him. Mertz was texting me because he knew I was listening. And, you know, Mertz was like, that was a complete waste of my time. 
So there was a lot of frustration going on. Um, so yeah, absolutely. That's the case. There were things that were said though, you know, I want to kind of go back. Like David had said, I, I wrote some of the notes down here. Uh, he said the core fans that buy bikes, those fans love moto. They don't give a shit about supercross. I think that's wrong. Uh, I, I do think the core quote unquote, as David likes to use that word, guys that go ride all the day, all the time, probably do relate to moto motocross more, but I think they also love supercross and he was like, hey, you know, you want, with the legacy, you want to shorten motocross and then add something new at the end. And he kind of correlated it to where, like, if Jet wins 20 straight, he'll never be as as good as Ricky and James because their legacy was, you know, a longer series. It was maybe a more difficult series, whatever his thoughts were. I don't think you, Jason, I don't know that you, we should be comparing that. If the, if the series changes, it evolves, then it's something different. But that doesn't mean they're less great. They just win at the new at the new format, the new whatever. And you can't. I don't think it's fair to take anything away from them. I I just feel like David was really off in this whole topic. Yeah, I think um, to me it sounded exciting what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. I hadn't heard about any of that stuff, so that to me was cool. And uh, I think the legacy stuff was kind of nonsense. I mean, if Jet were to go 20 and 0, I mean, okay, it's four less motos, but it's 2022. The talent's higher. The, um, you know, like things are different now. The, so the competition uh, is steeper, I yeah. think. I think there's more guys at the top, higher levels. Maybe not so much in the 250 class, but definitely the 450 class. Yeah, but still, I mean, like when Ricky, like, no offense to the guys, I mean, like, Timmy and Kevin and um, even probably DV, like, yeah, I mean, we're Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart, so like, not very many people can go twenty four and zero. But right. they didn't have they didn't have to beat the same people that you would have to beat today for yeah. that. Yeah, so yeah. no, you can't say that it's not the same. Like the legacy would still be intact. In my, I, I, yeah, that was silly. Yeah, you know, a couple other things that were said. Again, I just have notes on this one. I didn't get all this audio because it would have been – we would have had to listen to almost the entire thing to get the idea. But David saying, you know, Target is going to laugh at you. Uh, and and Mertz comes like, well, yeah, if you come in if you come in and present it the way David's talking about, then, yes, they will laugh. But you have to present it in a different way. So that's that's the, the agent side, what he is trained to do, trying to explain. There are other ways to get these guys involved. But we didn't get a lot of those details. That was kind of unfair to us, I think, Monday night. Uh, David said that they need to move the series because you can't compete with a Saturday night going out, having a good time, uh, you know, people wanting to have sex Saturday night. So you need to move the show earlier, you know, for West Coast time. Maybe do, I think he said Wednesday night or Tuesday night or whatever. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I think Moto fans figure it out when they can watch it and they watch it. Most of us try to watch it live. So maybe there's a little bit of accuracy in what David's saying there. But I think overall, Mason, Mertz had opinions on how to make this stuff happen. And he, he said, you know, hey, if, if Monster left today, we would have a new title by lunch or whatever. So I fe- he felt pretty confident that there's ways to sell the sport to other people. I just wish we'd gotten more of it. We've already, I've already kind of beat that to death. But, yeah, I guess final thoughts on the Mertz-David thing. Uh, yeah, I, I, we, we can kind of wrap it up if you need to, but, um, I agree completely with what everything you just said there. Okay. Uh, Jason, pretty much same thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, there's not much else. Like you said, I, I think that it would have been really cool. Like, you know, if you were to have maybe like Michael in studio again or somebody, or even like you, like 
it would be cool if, if Lucas could call back and maybe get a co-host that's um, a little bit more open and willing to listen. Like, cause like you said, like, how do we know that Target wouldn't be interested or Verizon wouldn't be interested? Like maybe Lucas knows things that we don't know. That's his job. So like, it would have been cool to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I know Mertz is definitely coming on my show in a few weeks. Um, but I think Mertz needs to go back on Steve's show. I'd love, I, I'm going to ask Steve if he'll have him back on next week when I'm in with Cade, because there are things I want to hear more about. So maybe, maybe Mertz would be willing to come back on. Uh, yeah. I, I, I bet Steve, I guarantee you, Steve and Lucas have talked about this since then. Uh, actually, Mertz called me after that interview. We talked for like 20 minutes. Um, so I, I know that he definitely wants the chance to have a say, but yeah, not be interrupted. So maybe he I should come he should on come the Moto X pod show. Well, yeah, that's what I said. He, we, he is going to come on in the next couple of weeks, but I don't know that I feel like it's my position to take up this conversation that they tried to have on Steve's show. Like, I don't want to be the guy like, well, Steve, you know, it didn't get done on Steve's show. I don't want to take over that. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that's fair. I will if Steve doesn't. I think, Go ahead. Yeah, I think you should have him on. If you if Steve will allow it and, like, Merch is for it, you should definitely try to get him on again on Monday when you're in there because, like you said, you obviously have a good repertoire with him, so it would be cool for him to be – because he, I think he would be more open with just you and Steve, you know, like, yeah. like he was getting kind of bullied around there, and yeah. I think he was just shutting down like you said. So I, if Steve's cool with it, I think that would be great addition to Monday. I agree, and I, I want to reiterate that, again, I have zero – I don't dislike David. I think David's funny, and, and, and he's always nice to me, and he actually seemed to have my back. He seemed pretty pumped for me with my new gig. Uh, he told Steve something like, we need a guy like that. You know, he's, he's a, a fan and all that. So I thought that was – I was very appreciative of that. I, I have – I just – as I made it clear, I think I just wanted to hear everybody that's on the show, not just David. And I have one more thing to kind of give him a little bit of shit about. He, Mason, really had some issues with all the sponsor rates and all the sponsors. And he has to understand that's how Steve pays the bills, right? And it has the 30-foot ceilings, etc. But what I found the funniest is right at the end of the show when he discovered the Skosh docking station for charging your phone, He's like, well, I want one of these. I want one of these. <laughs> you can't have one without the sponsors there, David. <laughs> you know, so you kind of got to have them both. But if I'm being honest, Mason, throughout the night, I found it pretty funny him giving Steve shit about that. That, that was one of the things I actually thought was funny. Yeah, I thought it was good for, the, you know, kind of toward the beginning. And I think that's also why, like, the Eli interview went so well and why we all liked it so much is because, I guess we weren't quite accustomed to all the interruptions and um, all that kind of stuff at that point in the show. But toward the end, I was like, man, just let him get through this because the, the reads oftentimes can uh, get uh, long or there there's, can be a lot of them. But as someone that's a sponsor, I appreciate them. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I understand it. So, you know, I just felt like DB kind of drug them out a little bit. I, I do. I do agree with that. And, and it's funny. Go ahead. And I don't know. I forget the sponsor, but there was one point where, um, Steve trying to get through the read and DV was just going nonstop, just interrupting him and talking and giving him a hard time. And I, I don't know who it was, but if I was that sponsor, I'd be like, man, I felt like I didn't get my read out that week because DV interrupted the, it the whole time. You know, the, the lawyer, uh, Arthur Draper. Uh, yeah. Arthur Draper. Yeah. That's when he was, that's when he was like, Oh, come on. Like, and I'm like, I thought it was funny too. Like when he was doing the reverse swimming, like at first it was funny, but like you guys said, like there is no, I mean, look what Steve does for people. And, like, that's – I mean, people want to be a part of his show. Like, so why would you turn – I imagine that he's not chasing down all these sponsors. Like, maybe some of them initially. But, like, 
at this stage of the game, I would imagine that the sponsors are coming to him. Yeah, so. he, he even mentioned having to turn one down recently, right? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I thought I think it was Marks that kind of as they're going out, he's like, "Hey, are we doing the the sponsor read thing they do sometimes?" Where like, tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. <laughs> he was like, "No," but as tired as I was, as ready for that show to be over as I was at you know twelve fifteen, twelve twenty, whatever at night. Uh, or maybe it was early. Maybe it wasn't that late last. Yeah, it was. It was after twelve that night. So anyway, I, I kind of think that would have been great to make yeah. DV go through that. There's. 25 30 freaking sponsors and everybody be like are you kidding me and just i think that would have been fantastic way to end it but they didn't do it uh last topic though for the wrap-up show it's not a huge topic just i want to get everybody's thoughts a little bit of travel discussion the big you know we find out the big takes one pair of shoes and he he travels on the plane with muddy shoes which i actually did from millville because i forgot to bring a second pair so i had muddy shoes on the plane David Villeman says he doesn't even check a bag when he spends a week in France. And then Steve with flip-flops on the plane. So David says it's gross that LeBig wears one pair of shoes with muddy shoes. He says it's gross that Steve Mathis wears flip-flops on the plane. I think it's gross that David only takes doesn't check a bag for a week. I think you need lots of clothes for a week. Uh, but the flip-flops take the cake. I, I do not want to look at any man's feet ever in life if steve had his big foot propped up on his leg two and a half inches from my armrest i'm I'm gonna lose my ever-loving shit jason i can't do it it's disgusting (laughs) yeah um i mean i would agree i have been flying more this year than i ever have and i've been i do keep it light but like i'm a big shoe guy so i don't go anywhere i wear vans pretty much exclusively so those are relatively small, like yeah, flat. Yeah. You can get it. So I don't go anywhere without like at least a couple of pairs of shoes. So, right. But the, um, but the foot thing, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would I would have a hard time with that. Yeah, I'm not into feet at all. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Mason, yeah. go ahead, man. Last last thing. I'm not a flip flop guy at all. So I'm out on the flip flops. I'm also out on the one pair of shoe thing. I'm also a shoe guy, like Jason said. I mean, you've got to have multiple pairs. Fresh pair of socks, fresh pair of underwear before you get on that plane. At right. Minimum. Yeah, Steve, Steve just leaves straight yeah. from the track. Dude, I was so – Yeah, no chance. No so gross. I, I felt so gross Saturday no. driving back. Shout out to Jilly and Cody. Jilly cut my hair again this weekend. Let me stay at their house. They didn't even go home from the races Saturday. They stayed at the track, and they let me go to their house and, and crash anyway. Uh, but I was so gross. I could not wait to get a shower. There is – Almost no chance I could have got on a plane and been comfortable. No. I'm way too considerate of other people. Not even just myself, how gross I felt. Like, I I would have felt awful for anybody sitting next to me. So, fun times. That's 512. Uh, before we go, Jason, anything that I missed that you that stood out that you wanted to talk about? Um, no, I think we did a pretty good job. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm we covered everything, I think. Um, okay. I'm happy. All right. Uh, you, Mason, anything? No, that was good. All right. Well, I want to thank motorsport.com, Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and include all the other sponsors of Pulp Mix. All you got to do is go to pulpmixshow.com. The new website has little logos with all the sponsors. You click on there. It opens up. Usually has a link. Tells you what a discount code is. Tells you a little bit about the sponsor. Go support those companies. If you do not support those companies, eventually they will not support Pulp Mix, and maybe we lose our other shows that we love. So support them. Uh, any questions, comments, criticisms, 
darkside at pulpmex.com. I try to answer those every so often. I go through and check them out. So hit me up. Uh, next week, I will be in studio with Cade Clayson. So Nick Still from Moto Limited will be hosting this wrap-up show. I do not know who the other guest is. I will be a guest, but he will be in charge. Um, if you guys say he does a better job, then I will probably block all of you. But no, <laughs> Nick does a good job. So looking forward to not having to prepare for the wrap-up next week. It's going to be fun. Guys, call in Monday night and you know, tell me what you like about what I'm doing or tell me what you don't like so I can have some content. It's going to be fun being in studio. Other than that, guys, it's a wrap. Appreciate it. We're out. Why would you want to talk, re-talk about the Pulp Show? <laughs>